Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer. David Faber's back at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. Bulls looking to wrap up the biggest weekly rally for stocks since March. And the banks will help out today. Uh, some upside surprises on net interest margin, return on equity. Import prices, meantime, down six year on year. That's adding to this week's disinflation theme. Our roadmap begins with the banks, though. Quarterly beats from JPM, Wells and City. And we're also going to have an exclusive interview with BlackRock CEO Larry Fink. It is the world's largest asset manager, and it posted a jump in earnings and net inflows. Plus, United Health is among the top gainers on the S&P 500. This after the company raised guidance, reported results above most analysts' forecasts. It was helped by higher premiums and a smaller-than-expected increase in medical costs. Let's begin with the big banks are kicking off earnings season, Jim. We made note of their historic underperformance coming into this uh, period. Well, except for the majors, J.P. Morgan was at its 52-week high yesterday, and it turns out to be, of course, justifying that because the numbers were outstanding. J.P. Morgan is a growth stock. Uh, and I, what I'm talking about, they're doing everything right. They have efficiencies right. Uh, there's credit card loans up 18%. I mean, these are just growth numbers. It's like a small cap stock. So I just think you have to take notice of them and just say they are in a class by themselves. You think so? Yeah, class I really do. by themselves. Class by themselves. And all right, go through more numbers that would show that, or give me some sense as to why you say that. Okay, so when you look at, at what I would say is there some uh, the 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 money that they took it. Okay, is just extraordinary. They're, the average the, the average money that they had three point two trillion. You see that up sixteen percent. Yep. Uh, that's. The AUM, David, you can't do that. How about I banking? One point four nine billion versus one point three billion. Who did any investment banking this quarter? Right, they actually. Had where did they get this? Yeah. Where, where did they get these? Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'm not saying that they're, you know, that they're fanciful. I'm just saying that this is just the rec- the return on common equity. Do you see that? Uh, yeah, I did see the return these on common equity was, was was twenty three percent after excluding a net. After tax gain of one point eight billion, that was there was some movement here about First Republic, as you know, right? Well, First gains, Republic some losses was a, was associated a, more gains they, than not, but the analysts had that in mind, so it is but, a real beat. They okay, knew. and I want people to understand at home. I just gave you a series of numbers that I'm sure just gobbledygook, but yes. what they really are is you have to compare apples to apples, and you just realize that all those categories I just gave you, these are substantially in excess of everybody else's. Yep. So you could just say, well, yeah, you know, what is this average unit? Yeah, you know, whatever is the amount of money they have under management. Uh, it, they may well, listen, sound Wells like- Fargo in their piece, their quick update on the earnings. Goliath is so, so winning. Right. Well, that's what it is. And, you know, Carl, it, one of the things that's so hard about today is you'll have all the major banks reporting, and they're really difficult because there's a lot of lines, like a return on common equity. And people say, well, what the heck is that? I just want people to realize, let's just say these were semiconductors. This, this is NVIDIA. It's just faster than everybody else. It's well, better than we're, not, we're not getting guidance changes like that, but yeah. No, but, but I'm just, I want to say no. that 
that there's NVIDIA and then there's everybody else. Right. I have to say that when I look at J.P. Morgan, there's J.P. Morgan and then there's everybody else. Uh, charge-offs, obviously we were going to look for it going in, up 34 basis points quarter on quarter. 2-4 is still better than we were uh, this quarter in 19. Right. Three and a quarter. Right. But, you know, look, I think this First Republic's already already a winner. A net interest income, $21.98 billion. I know it's only at five versus Wells. Wells had a better number of NII. On net interest income, yeah, they Wells did. was better? Yeah, Wells was definitely you better. In terms that. of the increase. Yeah, yeah, you know, much, much better. But I just think that you take a look at this and you say, all right, let's say you didn't have intense regulation of the banks. You would, and let's say you had banking like you do have in the United Kingdom. Like JP Morgan would like going with That'd be one of like four banks, and they would be the big bank. This is, if you go back, if you go back to 19, to 1906 to 1932, JP Morgan. And then everybody else, here we are back in that period. And what did they call JP Morgan, which is now a, a series of places that you can get three Yankee shirts for $10? The corner. corner. We're right here. Yeah, right so across like the street. President Coolidge would be doing right? this. And they would say, where do you want to go? How, how about the corner? Now, let, to be the fair, right there, it is David. a name now. Back then, it was actually associated with a man and a family. Well, J.P. It? Morgan is now taking the name of J.P. Morgan. But it is really well, J.P. Morgan. Just to remind Leffingwell? people. Just to remind people. Okay, okay. Uh, every so often, as I started as a banking reporter in 1987. It's, and these and were all invest, the banks. These were all the banks. J.P. Morgan. Just let me. J.P. Morgan. Chase. Manny Hanny, uh, Chemical, First Chicago, and I'm sure I'm missing a few. Bank One. All right. Bank One. So that is all J.P. Morgan. Right. Just, just to. And in some cases, Diamond himself. Yeah. Yes. Went right. back to Chicago for but sure. But it's back right. to where J.P. where J. Pierpont Morgan had a bank and everybody had to go listen to what they did. National City, remember all these banks, United States Bank failed. This is them. This is the closest I've seen to them being the the J.P. Morgan that you just uh, said, well, wait a second, let's be understand. Um, the corner. Do we want to, Carl, talk a little about Diamond's comments? I mean, in, oh, on yeah. the yeah. macro, you know, consumer balance sheet still healthy, still spending, albeit a little bit slowly, more slowly. Labor market softened somewhat, but job growth remains strong, but still says salient risk in the immediate view. Um, you know, he's already talked about these many times. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, consumer slowly using up their cash buffers. Um, and uh, core inflation has been stubbornly high. All the, many of the things we know, but certainly hits them. But he had Ukraine. You forgot Ukraine. Yeah, he has Ukraine. War in Ukraine. Any, any refer- I didn't see any references to hurricanes this, this quarter. No, no, there was no hurricane. No, it was not, it's not as bad as it is going to be out here this morning. It's not as bad as what? Storm out here. Storm it was right very here. stormy this morning. It's very stormy. From the subway, but, yes. but look, I mean, I want to welcome, this is what I thought was best. I want to welcome our new First Republic colleagues and thank them for all their employees. Extraordinary job serving our new First Republic clients. I have to tell you that this is the kind of thing where he comes in, he takes over First Republic, and next quarter it's going to be one of just fantastic. They're rebuilding, David. All right. The, you're not buying into any of my J.P. Morgan 1906 oh, to 20. I love it. I'm actually that? reading a, a, a novel right now sort of based in that time. It's kind of interesting. Going Gilded on. Age? What are you worried about? That's called Trust. Trust? Um, yeah. That's hard to come by. Trust is hard to come by. You've been in the market for books. You actually I have. solicited I ideas. I didn't think I would go fiction, though, because I'm usually, I'm still looking. I got to buy, uh, I think Neil Ferguson wrote a thing on the Rothschilds that I got to read. But um, Wells Fargo. 
and City. Can we get to those two? Uh, abs- you mentioned absolute. Wells Fargo, net interest income. I being thought Wells Fargo was sensational. Okay. Uh, why? Why? Yeah, it, why? Because, let me get my little memo out. Yeah, get your memo. Okay. Wells Fargo had 20.5, uh, 20.5 in profit. We were looking for 20.13. That's 57.5% increase in what people thought net interest income. The charge loss were high. Yep. 764 versus 340. Uh, net income is, is good, but here's the line that I wanted, David. Charlie, a lot of these guys, call this There's like Charles, by the way, talking like about Cher and Beyonce when it comes to banking business. It's Jamie and it's Charlie. Okay. okay. Yeah. Charlie bought 100 million shares at 4 billion. He was in the market. Charlie has belief. So he bought some stuff. Charlie's back, David. Charlie's back. He's back. Remember? He's- Remember when he came in and he like took is Wells Fargo? He says this is fine, and then like five years later, it's like, what the heck did I get yeah. myself into? Exactly. Charlie's back. Charlie is back. He's back. He's back in Remsenburg, I think. In, in Remsenburg? Is that where he's got a house or something? He's send people there now to protest. What are you doing? No, all right. No, he's in Quag. I mean, I don't know. Okay, I'm just saying he's back. Being Higher the losses man in I love. commercial real estate. I love Charlie. Nine hundred forty-nine million increase in the allowance for credit losses, primarily for commercial real estate office loans, as well as for higher credit card. Uh, loan balances have not seen significant losses in their office portfolio to date, but they are reserving for the weakness yeah, they expect to play out in the market over but time. But that net interest income, David, of 14 versus 10, it's unbelievable. His net interest income is amazing. Much better than everybody else's. What, and what accounts for that? I mean, what I are we, how like, what, why, I got to listen to the call. What, I don't know they, how he did it. Okay. He's a magician. He's the old Charlie. You don't want to say is that a short somebody who runs a bank is a magician. No, no okay, yeah, yeah, because that does imply a level yeah. of alchemy that I mean. Yes. Charlie did, is working his old, so I can't say magic. Is what no, no. Uh, his, he's, being, he's executing. How about that? He's executing like there's never been. Yeah. Magic sort of implies uh, sort of distraction. Yes. And, yes. Yeah. Yes. How about just, how about his blocking and tackling is mm. better than it's been in a long time? How's Jane Frazier's blocking and tackling these days? No, they went right past her. <laughs> Jesus, it was like, wow, right. It's right. There. That was like a 60-yard touchdown I, run. By the way, thanks to our friends at J.P. Morgan, I can add to the list. Washington Mutual, Bear Stearns, Texas Commerce, First Republic, Hamburg and Quist, Fleming, Kazanov. Those are all J.P. Morgan now. And the list goes on. We should have a drinking game. Name the things that make up J.P. Morgan now. No, no, I will not do that because I remember J.P. Morgan, the Senate Banking Committee, and the Circus Dwarf. Do you remember that Circus Dwarf? The woman who sat on it. She was 27 inches. They put her on the lab well, during the court hearings when people were investigating how strong J.P. Morgan. Remember, there were hearings that we held in this country about how J.P. Morgan could be so much stronger than every other bank. I'm not predicting those will happen again. And what but, about a 27? Oh, there was a it was a circus thing, and someone put a. You can just look. Just go. I want you to Google like, J.P. Morgan, the Senate Bank Committee, and Circus Dwarf. They put a circus dwarf on his lap during the hearings where he was shredded by the Senate by Pecora. Thanks for sharing that. And Did you finish your thoughts on City? No, I. But before I interrupted you? No, because I'm just trying to put this all into context. J.P. Morgan is back being the predominant bank in this country like it hasn't been since 1932. Uh, look, I mean, uh, uh, the ROTCE, return on common equity for uh, city, 6.4%. Yeah. 
See, no, that was why it has Return a book on value. Common equity See the time, tangible book value. JP Morgan, 23%. Tangible book value is still double of what it is. We know that there's something wrong there, David. Yeah, but, you know, Jim, we've been talking about we know that there's something wrong there. And it is obviously a global bank. They do make money from... Oh, they have those businesses. All the relationships they have around the world. J.P. Morgan did that analysis. Cash management, everything else. I'm just saying that I still find it quizzical. I find the tangible book value is quizzical. And I think it needs to be looked into. I think it needs to be looked into. Look, we used to have... During the the so-called heyday of Wells Fargo, where there was alchemy, Hmm. we'd be like, we'd listen to Wells Fargo and say, let's better bank J.P. Morgan. What do you, what's the matter? Nothing. I want them to put up City there. Thank you. Now, now they went away from it. But they're so doing I, the I like it when bad. we have the chart they're up there the of, the, of what you're talking about. Thank you. Silence? Yeah, hell, now, it turned out. Now you're silent? <laughs> no, I just. First you're talking about Circus Swords I came, in, and I came in all this analysis I had done about how I was going to do this J.P. Morgan comparison mm-hmm. and corner. And David didn't care at all about it. He's just still talking about his Sun Valley High. <laughs> I didn't say a word about that. Valley High. Did not say a word. No. Is that a short sleeve shirt? I got hey, I rushed back. No, it's a long sleeve oh, shirt. Thank I rushed back See, to the next to you guys. That looked at you right. Travel no day travel day. day. I came back. You don't seem happy about it. I, David, I have come back so many times in the same suit that I left. I don't even want to hear about that. I, it's David, true. you're here at Talco Nobody powder. would oh, argue that, that point. Anymore. Nobody would argue that point. Thank you very much. Anyway. But I thought maybe it, you'd show me a nicer it's reception the most dominant coming back. It's the most dominant JP Morgan has been since 1932. And that's now rest my case. Goliath is winning, as, uh, as Mayo yes. said for yes. quite a while now. We're going to dig further into the banks this morning. We'll get an exclusive with BlackRock's Larry Fink. Uh, talk about that later on uh, in the hour. Uh, We'll get to some of the comments about investment banking, particularly at JPM. Got a bunch of calls today on Microsoft, AMAD, Las Vegas Sands, Amazon, AT&T. Take a look at the pre-market. Squawk on the streets back in a minute. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back. Uh, keeping an eye on shares of Disney as well. A lot of uh, analyst commentary, as you might expect, uh, based on many of the things that uh, Bob Iger, the company CEO, was saying yesterday during our, uh, during our interview. Um, any number of things for analysts to grab a hold of, whether it is a potential sale of some of the linear cable networks. Or for the how ABC much? Did you, see? you see the number? Or No, I didn't see. They're saying the 10 estimates. bucks? 10 bucks, not a quarter Wells Fargo says 10 or, bucks if they go with what your plan is. Right. Uh, it's not my plan. It's not plan. his plan. Yeah. Uh, another part, of course, and we did discuss this yesterday, Jim, was uh, the future of ESPN. Iger making it clear, it seems, that they're at least having some initial conversations about partnering probably at the same time that they flip to having it as a streaming service um, and bringing in a 
either distribution partner. Jim has a very strong idea of who that will be. Take a listen to Iger's comments about it. We have a great brand. We've had a great business. And we want to stay in that business. That said, we're going to be open-minded there too, not necessarily about spinning ESPN off, but about looking for strategic partners that could either help us with distribution or content, but we want to stay in the sports business. Uh, you took that yesterday during our conversation to me, most likely, Apple. Now, by yes. the way, always important to point out, he was on the board of Apple for quite some right. period of time. And he was at the Only stepped off in, I think, 2019. Vision Pro, he was at the presentation. And he was at the Vision now, Pro presentation. Now, I don't necessarily Or he want actually, he, he, zoomed, he, he, he zoomed. It was a, right. it was a video, it was but video. it wasn't. Uh, but wasn't this morning, I, I know, David, you and I have gone, gone back and forth when you report other organizations, but the New York Post talked about Adam Silver, commissioner of the NBA, yeah. doing a deal with Vision Pro about being on the front front row, which is, those are $30,000 tickets, but these are better to watch a game. And right, so you ESPN, put your Vision Pro on and it is and, as and though you are in the front row. Right. Well, that's what, now I don't know who Adam Silver, whether he thinks he has those rights, but how about the combination of ESPN and you're at the front row of every, you're in the end zone. David, when I had the, the Vision Pro on, I don't know about you. Well, but I have I, never had it on, so. I would but no. buzz kill. Apple doesn't do that. I don't know about me. you, but I felt that when the ball was coming at me, that it was going to smack my head, and I was thinking it's going to be concussion, and I'm going to go after do concussion protocol. A, courtside in VR has long been talked about within the NBA. It's the greatest standard I've ever standard seen. And, and, you know, and when you're at MLS, I mean, the things come right at you. Go, you go like this. Twice I dodged it. I went out like this because I thought for sure. I thought for sure it, was going to, it, it, it would snap my neck back so and that be the end of it. a significant thing. opportunity for them there. Remember, and Maybe I pointed an this out during the interview yesterday. Hearst does own 20% of ESPN at this point still. There? But it, no. no. I don't know. I didn't see him. I wasn't, as I've said. I, head, of, head of Hearst. Yeah. Um, but David, Carl, the NBA, the NBA, to Jim's point, the NBA re-up is going to be very important. Iger's made it clear they're going to be playing at ESPN. The questions, I think, are more on the lines of Warner Brothers Discovery. What happens to a TNT if you don't have the NBA? Is it worth anything? Um, wow. Right? Is it, well, you tell me. Is it? No. No. Um, and so that becomes very important because it's going to most likely double the, the, what the cost of the NBA is. NBA is, look, NBA is a great property. But I come back to, if you have those courtside seats, it is worth it. Anybody who's ever been there courtside, I've been there once for the 76ers. And if I can get it with the Vision Pro and don't have to go there and spend $30,000 per ticket or be given one or whatever it is, having to be pre previous era for me, I, I feel like I'm in better shape watching it at home in the Vision Pro. That's why I'm such a proselytizer for this. Well, meantime, the, the long knives are out for Iger regarding his comp and sort of the optics behind this the strike commentary. I know. The average Hollywood writer makes less in a year than Iger makes in a day. I mean, you can... That's, that's circulating a lot today. I know. And yeah. the people who are on the picket line are very articulate. They are. They are. I know. No more premieres. We'll be, we'll be talking more about the strike, especially as it pertains to the jobs number in the next couple of months if it doesn't get resolved. Uh, futures, though, holding in there. X-Tech uh, coming up an exclusive with BlackRock's Larry Fink in a moment. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. 
with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. BlackRock out with his, of course, great quarterly results this morning. Our earnings beating Wall Street's estimates, consensus, all just, I don't even have to go into that because it's just been a great quarter and a great time. Why? Because of man we're sitting with, Larry Fink, who is the chairman and CEO. He joins us exclusively at Post 9. Larry, it is so great to have you. Good morning, everyone. Happy summer. You are a man of the world. People know you, of course, as running BlackRock, but you're around the world constantly. I want to posit something. Is the United States in the strongest position you've ever seen it versus all the other countries you go to? Relative to the world, we are in an incredible position. Um, Our innovation, our technology, our entrepreneurialism has really fueled um, uh, an incredible growth period for the United States. And I think it's it's showing up. It's showing up now in the development of AI. We are the ones. It showed up actually in mRNA, shows up in many other technologies. Um, And I, I think we're just more resilient. We're, you know, we're a very emotional country. Yes. And when we have problems, we're more cathartic. We actually are, you know, because of the democracy and the conversations we have in our country, we're more resilient in terms of identifying problems as a country. And as a country, we cauterize our problems faster than other ones. In many other, we saw after the financial crisis how long it took Europe to admit their structural Correct. issues. Correct. Um, and so I think that resiliency and that openness, I mean, I mean, no one, we all know that democracies are messy, but through that debate, we solve problems faster than most places. I mean, you know, there are times when we're all frustrated and we're all, you know, concerned, but the reality, the resiliency of our economy, the openness of change, I know change is hard for some, but our economy is based on change and evolution and recreation. Um, and I think about that all the time. And, I, you know, we position BlackRock for that, that, that type of structure that we're constantly trying to evolve and stay in front of our clients. And we believe the companies, the industries that are constantly evolving and changing, adapting and helping their clients uh, as they evolve are the net winners. And if you look at almost every industry, we have more leaders in more industries than any other place in the world. Now, if you also add the fiscal stimulus of the Infrastructure Act. And we, we have really bad infrastructure, so we needed to do that. Right. Uh, CHIPS Act, the IRA, <clears throat> that's all starting to uh, come into the economy. So actually, I think our economy is going to accelerate. Or is it going to accelerate fast enough, Larry, to start paying more, uh, to generate more revenue? Because our interest payments are going to soon be the largest single component of the budget. So it's great to be positive on the country, but there are plenty of issues, including that one. David, I totally agree. You know, our deficits are out of control. Um, and now be with higher interest rates, yes, interest payments are going to be a major component. Of that. And that's going to put a lot more pressure on our, on our programs, our defense budgets. All these programs are going to be really at risk. The only answer to that is growth. Right. Okay, right. if we have 3% right. growth, we're going to be able to solve some of that. If we have under 3% growth for a long period of time, the interest payments uh, as a part of our budget is going to overwhelm us. But that being said, <clears throat> the dynamism of this economy 
at this moment is stronger than any place in the world. See, I think when we look at what we do, we talk about business every day, we don't celebrate the greatness. I look at the people you deal with. I look at the business people you deal with. They have a level of optimism that transcends and trumps both the politicians of our country and the world, but even our people. Now, I look at how much money you're taking in, yes. and it makes me feel that, there's more, that there is more optimism and belief out there than anybody does really feel that's in the media, at least. I think the optimism is muted, though, if you use our flows. If you look at our flows, the flows are heavily fixed income oriented. Now, this is an opportunity that we haven't seen. I have a couple of statistics that I'm really, I find really interesting. On December 2020, about $18 trillion of bonds had negative interest rates in the world. Today, 80% of the market has a 4% interest rate or higher. We haven't seen that in so long, and that's what's stimulating uh, very large flows. We're seeing that at BlackRock, both in index and active fixed income. We have now $7 trillion in money market funds. I mean, a record level. Now, if that money is put to work, um, that will be an extraordinary benefit. I mean, when money is being saved in the short end, that, that actually is a sign of fear, okay, because you're, you're not putting it as actively in the economy. You're consuming less. And so the thing that I'm going to be watching for ultimately, are we going to see some of that money in money market funds move back into equities or move it more into fixed income? The Treasury is going to need it, Larry, because they're doing a lot of issuance back to what I just asked no, you about. No question. And that, that is one of the concerns I have. The Treasury is going to be issuing much more in the short end. Right. And because of higher interest rates, we're going to see more defeasements of, of uh, pension funds. And so the demand for the long end is going to be large. So the, the, to normalize our yield curve, it's going to be hard for me to see that to happen anytime soon <laughs> because of the absolute de, uh, de, you know, supply of treasuries. Right. Although you were so early, Larry, in drawing people's attention to, to inflation yeah. and how that would be a stair-step function coming out of COVID, have any of the downside surprises this week impressed you at all? Not, not at all. I mean... Um, I believe in, our inflation numbers that came out this week were an example of lower energy prices. And importantly, this happens just every day. Okay, good. <laughs> New for me. Um, there we go. Um, lower energy prices, lower car prices. If you look at now, like Carvana, their stock increase. Are we over the decline in, in used car prices? If you look at the homeowner, uh, home builder stocks, record highs this year, are we starting to see a renewed activity? <clears throat> As I said, with the IRA, the CHIPS Act, and the Infrastructure Act just starting to hit the G curve, the demand for, for workers is going to be extraordinary. Well, if so, we were at 6% unemployment, we'd be in terrific <laughs> shape, be able to handle us. We're at 3.6. And I think we're, we could go to 3.4, not 3, not 4. <laughs> and they, that's why... <clears throat> but that's going to keep I, wages much higher. He, he, and Jim says why, it all the time. And that's why I think interest rates or inflation is going to be stickier. Yeah. And I think we saw a low because of that. I think the next five to ten dollars of energy prices is going to be up, not down. And you talk to the executives in energy; that's what they're saying right now. <clears throat> and so I think we've seen 
a, a low in inflation, and I think inflation to be sticky between three and four percent. And if I'm right about the job creations and the need for labor and what that's going to elevate uh, wages, you know, we're going to be in a period of three to four percent interest rates, excuse me, inflation, which will translate into a Fed that I think is going to be reluctant to turn off their their platform of raising rates. So it doesn't sound like you're counting on a lot of labor displacement from AI and so, so rises in unemployment. I, ultimately, I actually do believe that will happen, but I don't believe that's happening at any time soon. I think that's a year, two, three, four years away. I don't see that happening now. AI has huge potential. It is going to increase productivity. It has a lot of potential. But how we adapt it, how we organize ourselves, I don't have the answers yet. I mean, we're all studying it. We're all putting huge teams of people on, on this, and we all see how we're going to adapt to it. And we're looking at it quite extensively. We always, we, you know, we have our platform that uses natural language processing already. We look at that. We look at big data analysis, and we're looking at how AI can accelerate that. I wanted to ask you about energy. Yeah. Because we had a deal this week. Exxon buying Love Denver. Denver. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, listen, it had been something we'd been thinking that might happen <laughs> in terms of carbon capture. But that's exactly what I've been talking about. Yeah. We have to be working with our energy companies. They own the geology. And what Darren was talking about, now he owns the pipelines that put it into their geology. It was, I, I think it's a, it was a brilliant transaction. We have, at the moment, one of the largest sequestration projects in southern Illinois, Navigator CO2. I mean, it's, it's, this is where I believe we have to be working with energy companies. And this is another example how we have to have, um, we have to move aggressively to make sure we have energy security, but at the same time, we have to aggressively move in decarbonization. We are seeing more opportunities in decarbonization, whether it's working in Australia, building the, bitter, the biggest battery storage facility. Uh, we're working with a few other governments on that, those type of projects. Uh, we're, you know, we're spending more time working on biofuels to create natural gas. Yeah. I mean, but, the but you know, Larry, when it comes to like ESG, I know that's a dirty word now, whatever we say it is. Right. I, you know, I think of Exxon, for example. My friend Jeff Ubbin is on the board, yep. right? He yep. has a, a fund basically that's you know, supposed to be focused on, on the new era of energy. Yes. He couldn't raise money in part because he's an Exxon board member. In other words, it, like he got crossed off. And that happens all the time, even though Exxon is actually trying to forge a new future to a certain extent. And obviously, it's important from its business perspective for the future in terms of carbon capture and sequestration. So in the last two years, we saw about $200 billion of added money in, our, uh, in, in, in renewables decarbonization. The money is there. We're seeing it. We're investing in, in but it, more Are the metrics right? Is it, is it working properly in terms of the capital flowing to where it can to actually decarbonize our, our world? in the proper way, or certain companies that are associated with fossil fuels, for example, just not on the list. But I think Darren said it really well. The deal worked because the IRA. Right. He also said, he, you know, we're going to have to create efficiencies to make it really profitable to meet their, their right. return on equity to make, you know, without the governmental subsidies. But you're, you're the key here, and one of the keys in deciding where capital should flow in terms of <laughs> These companies that are doing the right thing in terms of decarbonizing. But also, you, you know, he understands the risk do you, of not doing the do right thing. is horrendous. I mean, um, first of all, it's our clients' money, and they, they make the determination where it is. We are seeing more interested 
parties to invest in decarbonization ever. The key, keep in, remember two years ago, the conversation was about uh, divestiture. And we always said, even as much as criticism I got, I always said never divest. Divestiture is a bad thing. You know, we want to be working with these companies alongside. And I think, you know, we're aware of a couple other big projects with other major energy companies. They're going to be moving forward on that, on exactly what Exxon did. And I think that's just, that's, this is just the beginning. And that's also a great example of what the IRA is doing to our economy and how it's creating more opportunities. And I think we underestimate the power of the IRA and, the, and getting back to what Jim asked related to the, U, the difference between the U.S. and the world, we're seeing more foreign companies moving into the United States doing this, whether it's in chemical reengineering or carbon capture, carbon sequestration. Okay. I want to ask you about a different IRA. I was so glad to hear you were coming on our show. When the IRA was passed, it was about the same amount of money it is now. I'm talking about saving, American saving, 401k, IRA, $6,500. This is ridiculous. You are the keeper of more savings than anyone else. We cannot have Americans save as much as they should with these ridiculously low limits so that people can't put money away. I agree. Uh, well, let's change that, it. That, we have to be re-looking at it. At the same time, we reevaluate how do we make sure we have more resiliency with Social Security, which I know Congress is looking at. We should be looking at ways to incent more people to save more. We, I had a conversation with somebody who's very connected to uh, uh, high net worth individuals. And the biggest con question they're being asked today is, are, are men and women who are nearing retirement and they're frightened, they don't have enough. <clears throat> and, and I think this is going to happen more as we are aging our population. We're seeing more of that fear. And it's our responsibility to, to make more people or to help people to be more prepared, that they can live in retirement with dignity and hope and that they can pass on that hope to their children. Boy, I'd love to be involved with that. Wouldn't you love to be involved in that project right here, right now with you? Well, you already have been in a lot of ways. Well, I, this is the man who keeps, yep. he is the keeper yep. of the asset. It's hard not to listen to your comments about uh, U.S. innovation and the line about cauterizing our differences or challenges is, is so brilliant. It kind of, it's hard not to hear that and not think about your stance on Bitcoin. Can you talk about how crypto fits? Well, I can't talk about Bitcoin because we have a filing with the SEC, so I'm prohibited. <clears throat> I can talk about crypto in general and I can talk about what we have done. You know, we believe we have a responsibility to democratize investing. And we've done a great job. And, and the role of ETFs in the world is, is transforming investing. And I think we're only at the beginning of that. I mean, we, we, we believe the fixed income market is going to become multiple trillion dollars in, in, in ETFs. Equities will continue. <clears throat> more and more of the market will be, will be delivered through an ETF platform. If you think about what was done 15, 20, no, 20 years ago now with the advent of a gold ETF, that really democratized gold investing. It brought down the cost of transaction for gold. I mean, the cost of transacting physical gold is absurd. And now with crypto, the idea of democratizing that role, the cost right now to transact uh, is quite expensive. We're talking points, not decimal points. And so that's a big point. Two, um, over the last five years, 
more and more our global investors are asking us about the role of crypto. And as I said, I do believe a lot of crypto is, is going to be, it's an international asset. It's going, it is, um, it has a differentiating value versus other asset classes, but more importantly, because it's so international, it's going to transcend any one currency in currency valuation. If you just look at the value of, of our dollar, how it depreciated last two, two months and how much it appreciated over the last five years, I mean, a international crypto product can really transcend that. And that's why we believe there's great opportunities, and that's why we're seeing more and more interest. And that interest is broad-based worldwide. Yeah, um, it, it changed the moment you said you were interested in it and maybe realized, like the decision yesterday from a federal court judge, it's here to stay. So let's me find a place to do it without, without worry. And we have to make sure, and we are working with our regulators because we want, as any new market, if BlackRock's name is going to be on it, we're going to make sure that it's safe and sound and protected. Right. Let me talk about a couple of things that BlackRock is. First of all, it's number one in terms of the, of the actual technology, <laughs> letting people be able to vote, let institutions be able to vote their issues. But you're also number one in terms of the world advisor. You're playing the role of what, of what J.P. Morgan was in the, in the, in the, right at the turn of the century. And I want to ask you, what does a guy like Zelensky do when he talks to you? We have uh, an enormous responsibility and opportunity. When I had conversations with the president, it was about how do we create a resilient capitalistic system post-war? How do we incent private capital to come into this country? And, how, and if we have more private capital, there's gonna, there, the need for public capital is less. It's no different than what we're trying to do in infrastructure, where because of the deficits that David talked about, if we are going to decarbonize the world, we're going to have to have more private capital. So in Ukraine, in my conversations with the, with the, with the government, it's about how do we show the world that we're developing a, a reconstruction fund that is not going to be corrupted by corruption, by oligarchs, are we able to create a system in which, if we're investing money there as capitalists, we are going to make a fair and just return? And that's what we're doing there uh, in Ukraine. And I must tell you, the government and its finance team are really smart, focused men and women who are trying to make sure when the war is over that we have the construct of a fair and just investment pool. And that will attract a lot of foreign capital. Larry, you mentioned private capital, and I'm curious about that in terms of not private equity as much as private credit, which has just grown enormously. Yes. Do you continue to see it as a growth opportunity for BlackRock? <clears throat> and how do you see it evolving over these next couple of years? I would say private credit and its role in the capital markets has been a blessing. As regulators put more capital constraints on banks. <clears throat> the beauty of the American system was we had an offset. And that was the capital markets and that was private capital. <clears throat> and more and more, we're witnessing more and more opportunities in private credit. <clears throat> that being said, it's a pretty giant movement. And anytime we see a pretty giant movement, 
are we going to see people oversized? Uh, you know, right. Or are we going to see more regulation? I wonder as well. Is that a is that a, I, a I don't, threat? Or? I mean, obviously, if we're going to have more regulation, is it going to be in the form of the asset owners, the insurance companies, or is it going to be the form of the uh, asset advisors? Um, and that's being asked by the FSOC. That's being reviewed right now by regulators of insurance companies. There, there is no question in my mind that a great economy has a great banking system and a great capital markets. And no, no country in the world has both like the United States, not even Europe. Um, Europe's fastly, rapidly growing. Now, the question is, are we properly maintaining integrity? And, and unfortunately, you don't know how, what the integrity is until sometimes it's too late. Uh, but the beauty, of the, the, beauty, the beauty of a private credit market is, in most cases, it's, it's non-leveraged. Okay, but if it's in an insurance company, it could be levered. And so it depends on where the leverage is. Typically, if we have like a pension fund investing in private credit, well, it's one liability against one asset. And if they lose money on credit, that's no different than anybody else. But if there is a leveraged institution that's doing that's leveraging it five to one, seven to one, okay, there lies that's the issue. issue. Right. At BlackRock, uh, we are, you know, we're not, we, we don't do this with, a, with leverage. And right. so, right. Because I know you have a hard out. I want to tell, I want you to tell people how much better people do in life if they're optimistic. If they're optimistic. I, you know, I think the results of the first six months really shows it. I say you have to be in the market. You have to be optimistic. When you think about it, we were down 20% in the S&P over 12 months last year, and everybody was just cathartically and frightened. And we're now we're up 15 or 17% year to date. And so I don't, most people don't know how to market time, and most market timers don't do a particularly good job. And so that you have to be optimistic, and you have to believe in our country. Wow. And we have to end. Let's Thanks. just kill it. Took the day. I was supposed to have the day off. I heard you were here. <laughs> I don't take the day off if Larry Fink is here. Larry, thank you so much for coming in. BlackRock is an amazing company, and you have done an incredible job. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Larry. Wow. When we come back, uh, we'll get to more. Oh, we're going to ch- chat some markets here while we got the chance. Jim, I, we should just mention healthcare outperforming this morning. UNH, the top Dow performer. Well, UNH is a company that has went down so many points, and it's been crushing it was like even in the end, people said they're being hurt by pickleball. How crazy is that? But uh, they are able to uh, buck the trend. But I want people to understand that the whole industry is under tremendous pressure, given the fact that there are a lot of people who had delayed surgery uh, through COVID that are coming back. That's why the hospitals are up. That's why the medical device companies are up. And that's why UNH was at 558 and it's now only at 470. I just want to like go back to something you said. UN, it's under pressure because of pickleball. Did you just say that? You did. Because yeah, people, yeah. Are, so many people are playing and getting injured. Yes. That's okay. actually. Just wanted to make sure. back to the UBS I, note a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah, it's it's factual. I know, maybe I know. Factual, it's just maybe, maybe, maybe Sweeping cool. the country and a lot of people get out there and right. got to warm up. Right. Can I just switch seconds, switch things for a second? I, I want people to know Larry Fink is. Larry Fink played a big role in Exxon buying Denver. Now that's an extenuated thing, but his view on climate risk as an actual risk to our economy has made a lot of people feel like, you know what, I don't know if I want, I've got to be and pressure everybody, including fossil fuel companies, to please help this earth. And you know something? 
he has a conscience. Yeah, I, I still think, and I try to get an answer from him, though, that the capital doesn't necessarily flow where it would be best used to decarbonize because of these no-go areas that don't make sense. No, it's true, but he's offered... Don't go to, you don't invest in a company that you think has a big carbon footprint, even though they may be trying to actually improve it. You're right, but he does offer the choice for institutions to be able to say how you feel. Now, it's the first level of democracy I've ever seen in, in the institutional level because he has funds where you can switch, not, not individuals. But I can't encourage people more. They've got to be able to have more ability to put more than $6,500 away in an IRA. That's a travesty. We have to get people, because Social Security is not covered. We have to let people at least put double that, double that, and he's going to help. Uh, there'll be a, a wave of retirements in the next uh, I know, several and I'm years. very worried that people uh, won't have enough money. And, and, and uh, of the words fixed income, fixed is, is hard to deal with. Yeah. But Especially when you're looking at it. Meanwhile, Mega Cap Tech's having a good day again. Decent day. How's NVIDIA? NVIDIA's doing very well, Jim. You'd be oh. happy to know. Well, it's you up know, another the other day, almost 3%. Its market value is now $1.16 trillion. Well, they're 40, they have a lot of chips. They're 45,000 times faster than the one, next one. That's, that's a new he, high, right? He has cars that predicted the hottest day in the Sahara Desert weeks before it ever happened. He has chip, you're saying he has what? The, the, the graphic user cars. They predicted, they can predict the weather. To the, they can predict the hottest day of the I mean, year. No, no, there's, people don't understand. Because of what what's they're going, processing. Yeah, people don't understand what he's unleashing here. And how. Like, he and it's him. I mean, yes, Microsoft is terrific. They're going to use it, and maybe we know that that Alphabet has something. But I, I, Da Vinci, has come up with the helicopter in real time. If you go to the Great Da Vinci Museum in Italy, you'll see Ed Joyce for the helicopter. Well, Jensen Wong is developing the 2010. You know, he's he's he, he, he's he's 100 years ahead of the rest of us. Okay, I'm going to have to ask him how it all ends then. Curious. Is there anything? Don't, don't read can... ahead. No. Jeez, it's like the end of the Iger interview. It's like, I don't Do you remember Billy in the movie The Predator, what he says when he's on the bridge? Right? I don't, no. He says, he's a knife in his mouth. He goes, we're all going to die. Billy the pre- in the pre- I guess I guess that's on what a, Jensen would tell me too. Maybe he wouldn't. Maybe he'd said, we're not going to die anymore. <laughs> Maybe it's good news. Uh, Bulls got us to 45-23 this morning. As, uh, as you heard, tech doing pretty well. Banks hanging in there, healthcare playing along. Check out bonds. We will get UMish in about 10 minutes. Uh, and, uh, of course, market's still reacting to comments from the likes of Waller last night. We'll be right back. Time for Jim and Stop Trading. Carl, what's another day without a mega cap tech going well? And this time it's UBS upgrading Microsoft, saying that the spending could stabilize for other web business, and that would be gigantic. And so there it goes. I also think it's going to get Activision Blizzard. Another great mea culpa in that note. Oh, we, we, my God. We downgraded God. early in the year, figuring um, Azure would slow. Didn't happen. It's just, it's so hard to be an analyst covering these because they're otherworldly. I mean, anyone who hates NVIDIA, let me send you a letter to your funeral. Uh, next week, meantime, we'll get some retail sales and housing, blackout window on the Fed. Uh, next week, this day is really important because we get, you get with BlackRock and you get Wells. But uh, the house, there was an upgrade of the housing stocks. And I don't know if you heard what Larry said, but it is really important to people that they start building homes in order to keep inflation down. And they haven't yet. Let's see if they're going to start. I mean, really put the jets because there's so much demand. What an exciting interview. That was, was interesting, yeah. Good weekend. we got to get people to save more. 
We'll work on that, Jim. We'll Not see you. The weekend? <laughs> you, it's a weekend? It's a weekend. What is that? It means you, you take your tie off, but you yeah. keep your suit on. Oh, the suit stays on right in the garden. Tomato pictures. I'm writing a piece for the club today, writing a piece for the club tomorrow, because it's a seven-day affair. Yes, it is. Good to see you back from... Um, you signed up for it. From the existential crisis that is Disney. <laughs> Uh, no mad money tonight, but be sure to watch a special edition of Tech Check, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, featuring ARK Invest's Cappy Wood. 45, 25, Squawk on the Streets, back in a minute. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, The ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.